This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by my book, Breaking Bad Faith, Exposing Myth and Violence in Popular Theology to Recover the Path of Peace. I'm Michael Camp. The book helps people break damaging beliefs that are based on myths. It exposes the big lie that God brings justice through retribution, punishment, imprisonment, the death penalty, lenient gun laws, American wars, final judgment, and eternal damnation. It's a religious crap detector. In case you're wondering, that is a theological term. The book uses sound history to reveal the love and restorative justice narratives of Jesus and the prophets. There are real-life stories, many outside Christianity, about people plotting peace rather than revenge to fight evil. Find it at Amazon.com. Hey, this is Jason Elam with the Messy Spirituality Podcast, and I just can't seem to get enough of Second Cup with Keith. It's theological caffeine for my brain. Hello, and welcome back to Second Cup with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Giles. And uh, in this episode, I want to talk about something that's been bothering me for a little while, and I just need to get it off my chest, so please bear with me. (laughs) This might be something that you are aware of. Um, It might not be. I don't know. But one way or the other, I'm just going to, I have to, I have to say something about it because it's something I I just keep running into it online. People have sent me um, this guy's video clips. I see them all the time being shared on Instagram and, um, and on Facebook and YouTube and all over the place. And um, so I guess I'll just, I'll come out and say it. There's a guy named, his name is Greg Braden. Greg is with two G's, G-R-E-G-G, Braden. Um, he has hair like any televangelist or something. Um, I don't mean that as an insult. I just like, that's my first thing that pops into my head when I look at the guy. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't know his name because the, the, the TikTok videos and the Instagram video clips, um, didn't include his name. It just was him kind of talking. And, um, in all of them, he is talking about something, um, like, it, it to me it comes across just like techno babble pseudo scientific new age quackery. Um, he's talking about ancient alphabets and mysterious numbers, and um, how he found some magical way to remix um, the ideas of the quote, things that are found in human DNA, and then cross referencing that with the periodic table, and then applying that to Jewish gematria, letter codes. Um, of course, like you do. I mean, it's obviously so intuitive. Of course you would do all those things, right? And But if you do all those crazy things, <laughs> um, it turns out you come up with a hidden message that is apparently hidden inside the DNA of every human being. And it's this powerful, earth-shattering message. And um, so just after the, you know, kajillionth time, someone kept sending this to me. Um, I decided I needed to say something. Um, so here it is. I just want to say it. I want to say the first time I came across it, um, someone had actually shared it in, um, one of the Facebook groups that I, uh, that I moderate and, um, they were sharing it like, wow, isn't this amazing? So, you know, that's why I watched it initially because, you know, I, I'm curious, well, okay, what is, what's the cool thing? And 
I want to say that on the surface, what he seems to be implying, um, and that he says he can prove, um, I'm not against it. I, I, I like the idea, but um, I find his methodology more than a little suspicious. So um, obviously this is a podcast. I'm not going to play the video clip for you, but um, I, I can't, I do have a transcript of it. I actually sat down and wrote out what he was saying um, in the video, and I'm just going to try and read it to you. This is this is what he says in the video, okay? So this isn't me. This is me reading the words of this guy, Greg Braden, okay? He says, here we go, quote, Every ancient alphabet, bar none, has always from day one. Uh, each had a letter, each letter had a mysterious number. We don't know where the numbers came from, but they never change, and it's unique numeric code. Okay, I'm going to pause. Let me just talk about that little, those couple of sentences there. When you make a statement like that, and you say that every ancient alphabet, bar none, has always, from day one, um, every letter has had a mysterious number. Why are you saying mysterious number? What's the mysterious number? Okay, what he's talking about is the fact that Hebrew and Greek and many other ancient um, alphabets were alphanumeric uh, in nature. In other words, you know, a left in Hebrew corresponds to a number. Um, and, you know, letters in Greek correspond to numbers. So it's like, it's not mysterious. Can we just, can we just explain that for a second? <laughs> can we just all agree is it mysterious to go A1, B2, C3, D4, like all the way down? Take your alphabet, A, B, C, D, and then assign a number to each one of those letters sequentially, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Um, is that mysterious? No, it's pretty darn common and, and not mysterious at all, right? This is the most basic thing you could ever come up with. So, um, but the, but, but, but see again, that, that was the first red flag for me when he starts talking this way. Um, when he, like, why does he feel the need to, to call that mysterious? Well, because he wants everything he's about to say to sound really mysterious and really magical and mystical. And, and, um, all the way through this, I, what I feel like he's doing is he's on purpose trying to blur the edges of this so that you really can't, you're not really supposed to, um, you know, mentally follow along with your actual brain. He doesn't want you to engage your brain. He wants you to just listen to the mystical, magical words coming out of his mouth um, and make him feel like he's got some secret knowledge that you don't have. Um, anyway, so that's, it just bothers me that that's what he says. And then to say, they never change. And we don't know where the numbers came from. <laughs> I'm quoting him now. He actually says that. Each letter had a mysterious number. We don't know where the numbers came from. Really? Okay. You don't know where the numbers came from. Well, okay then. And they never change. And well, of course they never change. Why would you ever change it? That would defeat the purpose. A is one, B is two, C is three. Like you would never change that. Of course not. Anyway, but I think he's just saying all this stuff because it adds to 
the, you know, uh, again, he just wants to inflate the mysteriousness um, of what he's, what he's trying to get across. All right. So back to quoting him. Then he says, the study of that numeric code was called Gematria. And the last 32 laws of Gematria were formed in the second century. Not sure why I need to know that, but okay. Sorry. Back to the quote. Now he says, and the only way Gematria works is that you cannot deviate from these laws. There are specific laws that apply to the numbers. Okay, good. That's fine. Um, again, I don't know why that's important to what he's about to say, but he just wants you to know that. Okay, back to the quote. He says, so our ancestors were always talking about life using words and numbers. They had a letter, and again, he says, a mysterious number. Why is that number so mysterious to him? I don't know. But again, he wants you to think it's mysterious. So now here he goes. I'm back to the quote. I'll try not to interrupt so much, but it's hard. Okay, so then he says, we're using the periodic table. We've got a whole bunch of numbers. Which of those numbers equate to the numbers from the ancient alphabet? Okay, again, I'm sorry. I got to stop again. Why did he just jump from the fact that, okay, Hebrew and Greek have a alphanumeric, interchangeable, A1, B2, C3 sort of system. Okay. Then he told you that the study of this code was gematria. By the way, this is the Jewish, specifically the Hebrew study is gematria. Okay. Then he drops that on you. And then all of a sudden he switches to the periodic table. Now, just so you know, the periodic table was not invented in the second century. Why he, why in the world you would jump from this letter code from Hebrew and Greek into the periodic table, it makes no sense. But but then he says, you know, we've got a whole bunch of numbers. And then which of those numbers equate to the numbers from the ancient alphabet? Here's the deal, all of them. <laughs> because if you can think of a number, it it's there's a number and a letter you could apply, right? Think of a number, seven. Is there a seven in the gematria? Is there a seven in, in, in the Greek, you know, alphanumeric system? Well, of course there is. There's a seven in every number system. So, of course, there's a correlation. Letters and numbers, you know, they don't go away. Of course, if you find a number here, you can find a number there. Um, and, and again, it's just totally nonsensical to jump all of a sudden into the periodic table. Okay, back to the quote. Then Greg says, so it should be possible to look at human DNA, carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen, and different combinations of that, and substitute the ancient letters for the numbers based upon this correlation. Okay, I got to stop here too. Okay, why? This was probably the first time, this is the first part, like, I, I was already had red flags, I was already questioning the periodic table thing, but then he jumps from the periodic table into human DNA. Now, why did he do that? I don't know. But but then when he he mentions human DNA and then he pauses to say carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen. That isn't human DNA. Listen, we have mapped the human genome, right? We know that there are, there is a letter code associated with human DNA. It's G-A-T-C. You know how I know that? I'll be honest. I'll just tell you how I know that. One of my favorite movies is called Gattaca. 
Gattaca is a word built on the G-A-T-C from the human DNA. That's the letter code associated with human DNA and chromosomes. Um, it has nothing to do with carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, or nitrogen. How, again, another leap, another jump. How did you get from the periodic table? Well, let's back it up. How did you get from Hebrew and the gematria to the periodic table, then to the DNA, and now to carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen? What are you doing? I'm so confused. But again, I think he wants you to be confused. He wants you to think he's connecting these dots that are just so obvious and so cool and so fantastic and amazing. And he's getting ready to just blow your mind with this incredible secret that he's found hidden somehow in DNA with the gematria and the periodic table and the oxygen and the carbon and whatever. Um, anyway, back to his quote, he says, get ready for some more insanity, but this is the last, this is the last, um, paragraph. So after this, I'm going to move on. Um, but this is the last thing he says in the quote. He says, what we now know is that the atomic mass of the element, the numbers of the atomic mass are the numbers that equate to the mysterious numbers of the ancient alphabets. Okay. So again, he had, he, he circled back around. He dropped in the quote unquote mysterious numbers. Again, numbers aren't mysterious. 23. It's not mysterious. 17. Is that mysterious? 45. Is that a mysterious number? Um, I have a birthday coming up. I'm going to be 57. Is that mysterious? Some might say. Um, it's new to me because I've never been 57 before. But that is, there's, what is a mysterious number? What are you saying? <laughs> I, just, I just, I could I get this guy on the, on the show? I wonder if I could interview him. I just want him to like slow down and walk me through this nonsensical thing step by step. Start with Gematria. Okay. Then why do you go to the periodic table again? Okay, and then what's the human DNA have to do with the periodic table? Because the periodic table is a list of, you know, the chemicals, right? Um, they use this in chemistry. Um, and then and then DNA is carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen? Like, huh? Anyway, so basically, Braden claims in all of this gobbledygook, it all comes down to this. He claims that he's taken the atomic mass of those four elements, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Why did he choose those four? I don't know. <laughs> Probably because um, they fit what he wants them to say. Um, if they didn't fit, he would find another way to make them fit. And you're going to see in a minute what I'm talking about, and I can prove this, um, because uh, this is um, this is his, his quote-unquote science methodology that he's using by the way and he and he sets himself up as a scientist he 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 tells people you know his part of his bio is that he's a he's a scientist or something and um i don't think he's a scientist um anyway so it, he claims that human dna is made up of those four elements hydrogen nitrogen oxygen and carbon and that he's transposed those numbers from the atomic mass of those um four elements using the jewish Gematria, to come up with some kind of a message, a secret message. So he keeps saying that this message is hidden in human DNA. And that's what he keeps referring to. But it's not actually DNA because, again, when we sequence the human genome, those letters are G-A-T-C. G-A-T-C apparently don't correspond in Gematria to what he wants it to say. So he can't use that. He can't use D human DNA 
because then you would have to use GATC. And GATC, if you apply his his methodology, won't give you the uh, the answer that he wants to come up with. So then he had to switch it to these other four letters that he pulls out of hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Okay. Um, so um, he tries to work in a reference. He mentions, uh, just in passing in the quote, he says something about the, the Sefer Yetzera. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, the Sefer Yetzera. It's a third, maybe fourth century Kabbalic text. And he references that mainly because it has it says something um, in that text that he likes. And, he, and it, it provides justification for this crazy methodology because it says within the letter is a great concealed mystical exalted secret from which everything was created. Um, now it's not talking about what he's talking about. It's talking about something else. Um, but he wants you to, he wants to quote that quote as if that quote is referring to the exact same thing that he is as if, Oh, they knew exactly what, what I'm about to tell you. They knew that the human DNA from the periodic table, you know, again, <laughs> just that these things are not correlating. Um, you know, but he wants you to think that, that all of this was found in these ancient texts or these mysterious numbers or some hidden mystical secret. Um, but anyway, he shares a, in one of his videos, he shares a, like a little, uh, a table, like a code. Okay. And so he, he lists like, for example, the, the element hydrogen and he'll say that, well, the atomic mass of hydrogen is one that corresponds to the gematria of one. And then that number in the gematria one, uh, correlates to the Hebrew word yod or letter, which, but the letter, uh, is yod. Um, then he'll say nitrogen. The atomic mass of nitrogen is five. The gematria is five. And that Hebrew correlation, because that numbers, you know, the numbers correlate to a letter. Um, nitrogen five correlates to the Hebrew letter hey, uh, H-E-Y. Um, oxygen, atomic mass six, gematria six, Hebrew correlation, vav, V-A-V. Carbon is three, gematria is three. The Hebrew letter is gemel. Okay. So it would probably help to explain briefly this gematria thing. Gematria is the practice of assigning a numerical value to a name or a word or a phrase by reading it that um, reading it as a number, or sometimes by using an alphanumeric cipher. So the letters of the alphabets involved have standard numerical values, but a word can yield several values if a cipher is used. Okay, and it's also Again, it's meant to be interchangeable. You can take numbers and turn them into letters. You can take letters and turn them into numbers. Um, you know, people did this for a while. I remember for a while there was this big deal about, um, uh, what do they call that? Some guy wrote a book about this where he basically claimed, uh, it's numerology, right? He claimed that because the Hebrew alphabet is also a numeric system, that if you transpose the Hebrew letters into numbers, it creates some kind of a mathematical code. And, and there was all kinds of meanings and things you could, you know, transpose out of the numbers. Um, but again, uh, it just drives me crazy. Every time he refers to this very simple alphanumeric A1, B2 corresponding letter number thing, he just keeps saying there's a mysterious number 
and and the ludicrous idea that we don't know where it comes from, right? Um, as if you couldn't figure that out. Is it is it too mysterious for you, right? A1, B2. But anyway, um, he says, when you take those numbers, and again, I'm quoting him, he says, when you take those numbers and correlate them with the ancient table, and by the way, he just, he just says that and moves on. I don't know if the ancient table is the gematria. Is it the Sefer Yetzirah? Uh, is it the periodic table? I don't know, because actually the periodic table is not an ancient table. Maybe by saying ancient table, he wants you to think it's periodic table. But obviously we know the periodic table is very, very modern. Okay, anyway, back to his quote. He says, what we find is that in the human DNA, our genome is built in layers, like an introduction to a book. Okay, I'm going to pause. The introduction to a book is not in layers. I've written many books. Um, they're just paragraphs. They're not layers. Uh, anyway, then he says, the introduction to every cell in life in carbon-based DNA, the introduction is the same, and the first translation literally reads, literally, he says, he emphasizes it again, the first translation literally reads, literally, God eternal within the body. Now, that's usually where most of the video clips will stop. And if you just had, that's all the information you have, it just comes across like, what are you talking about? How, I mean, huh? How, how did you get from all of that, right? How do you connect those dots? It's a little crazy. So let's try to follow his very complicated and convoluted uh, methodology. So first he will, he combines hydrogen and nitrogen together. So that would be H and N. Okay. And then he combines oxygen and carbon together. So that would be O and C. Now you might want to wonder why does he do that? Because here's the deal. If he didn't do that, it wouldn't come out the way he wants it to. Okay. But I'll, I'll come back to that. So he uses, again, here's another table. So he uses the modern elements of HN. This is hydrogen and nitrogen combined. Um, and then he'll say the atomic weight is 1, 5, because it's hydrogen is 1, nitrogen is 5. Okay. So then the ancient geometry is the same, 1, 5. And then that, and then that means that 1, 5, um, the corresponding letter code, to that is YH. Okay, you can see where this is going, I'm sure. And then because he takes oxygen and carbon, OC, the atomic weight of that is 6, 3. Then that's, of course, the same in, in the numerical gematria, 6, 3. And 6, 3 in the numerical gematria correlates to, corresponds to the Hebrew letter code of VG. And he says that YH means God eternal and VG means within the body. Because hydrogen has an atomic weight of one, nitrogen has an atomic weight of five, so then he that's why he listed as one comma five, and oxygen has an atomic weight of six, carbon is three, so he writes that as six comma three, right? But then he transposes the one and five and the six three to come up with YH and VG, right? And then he says it's obvious that YH is the secret name of God Yahweh, and that VG is the phrase within the body. Well. There are more than a few problems with this idea. Um, the atomic mass of those elements is not what he says they are. So if you take hydrogen, he says hydrogen is one, nitrogen is five, oxygen is six, carbon is three. 
So he would say hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon is 1563. You know what they actually are? 1, 14, 16, and 12. What? Well, here's the deal. If you're a quote-unquote scientist who really wants to make something turn out the way you want it to turn out, here's what you do. If you have a 14, you don't you can't use 14 because the 14 letter in the gematria doesn't give you the result you want. But you know what you could do? You could take the 14, 1, 4, and add them together. 4 plus 1 is 5. So 14 becomes 5. Oh, thank God. Well, then what about what do you do about um, 16, right? Oxygen is 16. Uh, he wants it to be 6. Well, just subtract 10 for some reason or get rid of the 1. Maybe the 1 is silent. Um, and then 12, of course, needs to be 3. So how do you make, how do you turn 12 into 3? Well, you add 1 and 2. Instead of taking 12, 1, 2, you make it 1 plus 2. And 12 becomes 3. So are you impressed yet with the science? Um, this is a little crazy. Uh, and so anyway, he's wrong about the atomic mass of those elements. He's very creative with, um, well, really with all of them. The only one that, he's, that he gets right is hydrogen. Hydrogen is one. That's the only one he doesn't mess with. But um, nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon, he totally messes with them to get them to come out the way he wants. Um, I, I, I reached out to two different Jewish rabbis through a friend of mine. Um, I told them, I shared this with them. I told them, here's what this guy's trying to say. Um, what do you think about it? So one rabbi came back to me and he literally says, and I'm quoting, this came out years ago. It's BS. And uh, I would agree with him, uh, with his professional opinion as a Jewish rabbi, that it's BS. Um, because again, he needs the answer to come out this way. So he goes out of his way to make it come out this way. And everything else is just creative nonsense and smoke and mirrors to make him sound, you know, wise and mystical and intelligent and scientific. And by mentioning things like DNA and the periodic table and the carbon and oxygen and hydrogen and atomic mass and numbers and gematria and the mysterious number, you know, throw that all into a word salad, shake it up, throw it in a blender. And then what pops out, trust me now, is this amazing message that will change the world and blow your mind. Except that it's not, that's not really there. Um, I came across another blog article because apparently I'm not the only person who, who has watched this guy's videos and um, wanted to pull their hair out and just thought, this guy is a kook. Um, so this is, I'm quoting this, uh, this other guy's blog post. He says, you know, if unscientifically adding numbers together is okay which he's done with nearly all of his evidence, then the following must be valid. Nitrogen with the atomic mass of 14 could equally pertain to Hebrew letter 14. Um, well, of course, because it's 14. Or even letter 15 by just getting rid of the one as he did with oxygen. Um, oxygen has an atomic mass of 16, but that could, that could also be the Hebrew letter 16 or the Hebrew letter um, 7 right? Add one and six together. Uh, why not? Right? Why couldn't you do that? He, he did that with other ones. In other words, you just keep messing with it till you get what you want, right? Um, I mean, you could take the carbon, carbon's atomic mass of 12. That could be three um, because, you know, two plus one is three, right? So if the link is valid, 
I'm quoting now the um, this this blog article. You know, he says it has to be valid both ways. He says, you know, Y is the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, that could be relating to neon, which has an atomic mass of 10. Or manganese, which has an atomic mass of 55, because 5 plus 5 is 10. Um, or silicon, with an atomic mass of 28, because 8 and 2, 8, 8 plus 2 is also 10. Or fluoride, where it has an atomic mass of 18, 8 plus 1 is 9. Or even radium, which has an atomic mass of 226, and 2 plus 2 plus 6 is 10. And and that's just one letter and just some of the transitional elements. Try doing it with the other three letters, and you come up with loads of other elements and different numbers as well. So, um, right. And again, notice that he, he put them in a particular order, right? Like I said at the beginning. He had to group, um, what was it, hydrogen and... What did he do? Yeah, he had to group hydrogen and nitrogen together, and then he had to group oxygen and carbon together. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't have gotten YH with HN, and he wouldn't have gotten BG with OC. Um, but, you know, if he had rearranged them uh, another way, then he could have gotten YGVH, which we all know means you go Van Halen. Anyway, um, and again, as I said at the beginning, I I'm not against the message that he's trying to convey, right? If you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, or if you've been um, subscribing to my um, Inner Circle blog series that I do every week, which is um, every week I do a, a commentary on one of the sayings of Thomas, uh, so one of the sayings of, of Jesus from the Gospel of Thomas, um, you know that I I have totally bought into the idea. I, I absolutely believe um that this is a message, this this message of divine unity, of of oneness between us and God, and between and therefore between us and uh, everyone else on the planet. Um, I I embrace that idea. I think it's beautiful. I wish this was true. I I don't look in. I didn't look into this wanting to prove it false. I I literally I'm being dead serious. You know, when somebody first sent this to me, and I was listening to this guy, I thought, you know, maybe. Maybe if he just slowed down, maybe if he just really took his time and explained it, you know, maybe it does make sense. Maybe it really does. Maybe this really does, you know, there maybe there really is a message of God eternal within the body embedded in every piece of human DNA. Wouldn't that be amazing? I would love that. I would love nothing more in the world than to be able to conclusively, scientifically, mathematically, using the periodic table and the human DNA and any other kind of thing, man, that would be so, so cool. But it isn't true. And, um, you know, as much as I would love for his his science to be true or his discovery to be real, um, because I do believe God is within everyone. I do believe that that if human beings could embrace this idea, you know, I just wrote a blog post the other day about this that it's the answer to everything. I really believe that. And if we as human beings could truly um, see and believe that we ourselves were, uh, you know, forever intertwined with the divine and therefore also forever intertwined with all of the rest of humanity, then when we looked at another person, we would see 
ourselves, we would see someone who is exactly like us. We wouldn't see any differences. There wouldn't be an us and a them. I could only see the similarities. I could only see the divine in them and in myself. And that would make war impossible. That would make conflict impossible. That would make poverty something none of us could tolerate because we would see a human being like just like ourselves. The same way if you saw your own child starving or your own mother begging for bread or needing shelter, you would pull over the car. You would help your mother. You would help your child. Of course you would. And so if you could look at every human being that way, if everyone you looked at, you saw yourself and your connection to that person and the connection to the divine in everyone, and and, and it was a shared connection with everyone, it would absolutely transform the world. Uh, and I'm, by the way, I'm committed to that message. Um, I, I want to, st- I want to commit myself more and more to that message, but you know what? Making up gobbledygook, making up nonsensical stories, um, inventing little codes of numbers and letters and, you know, stuff to, to try to convince people that this is real, um, that isn't helpful. That's really not going to help because all it takes is for someone to just look a little bit below the surface, someone to really start to sit down and go, well, is this real? Is this true? And as I've done in this podcast, um, you could pretty quickly see, no, it's that's not true. Now, and the, the, here's the danger, because someone could debunk this guy, Greg Braden, as I've done. They could debunk this nonsensical garbage he's talking about. And therefore conclude that what is also garbage is the idea that we're connected to God or that we're connected to one another. And that is not the case. So that's really what bothers me. Uh, I can debunk Greg Braden, and I'm happy to do so because it drives me a little crazy. Um, he is wrong in his methodology. That doesn't mean he's wrong in his conclusion. The conclusion is still true. It's just that he hasn't proven it by using this sleight of hand, smoke and mirrors you know, word salad that he's concocted. And, and you know what I mean? It's kind of like back in my evangelical Christian days. I don't know if anyone remembers. There used to be a, a comedian, a Christian comedian. His name was Mike Warnke. And, um, I mean, he was really funny. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought he was a funny guy. And he did stand-up comedy stuff. He had a bunch of comedy albums. Um, well, then someone... But he, as part of his comedy routine... Um, he would give a testimony about how he was involved in, um, he was a satanic worship leader, not a worship leader, a satanic church leader, something like that, or a worship leader, a satanic worshiper. Um, anyway, that was part of his testimony that he worshiped Satan and he performed sacrifices and he prayed to demons and all this kind of stuff. And, um, so he had this powerful testimony and how Jesus changed his life and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, um, Wow. You know, it was just this amazing part of his um, his routine, his little stand-up comedy thing. Usually on every album, he would tell a version of that story. Well, the problem was every time he told the story, it would change a little bit. The details would change, things that didn't make sense. People started, um, you know, interviewing him or interviewing other people and trying to get into it and figure out, like, you know, you know what really happened and when. And um, anyway, it turns out that it was all made up. All of it. He says he was in the military. He was never in the military. He says that he was a satanic, you know, priest or something. Uh, he wasn't. 
uh, all this stuff. So <clears throat> does that mean, you know, that, um, well, for a lot of people, it did mean this, right? They, they came to faith in Christ because of this guy, because they listened to one of his tapes or they went to one of his, you know, comedy shows and they heard his story and, oh my gosh. And then when you find out he lied about the whole thing, well, it's really difficult to evaluate that and say, well, maybe the whole thing is a lie, right? So this kind of thing is super damaging. Um, and uh, I, to me, this is, I, I put Greg Braden in the same category. I think he's trying to do a good thing the wrong way. Um, because again, um, I think humanity needs to, uh, we, need to our, we need to raise our human consciousness to the level that we are capable of seeing Christ in one another. We are capable of seeing uh, a shared humanity in every other human being on the planet. But Greg Braden is not helping us do that. If anything, he's making it harder for people to do this um, because he's creating this psychobabble, new age nonsense. And um, yeah, and it's just discrediting the message. It's not, it's not adding anything to the message. So, you know, I want to say, like, if, if you want ancient texts that affirm the God code in every human being, try the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, I have a course on this, by the way. You can check it out. It's a self-paced course where you can go through. Uh, I go through some of the major sayings of the Gospel of Thomas and talk about how the Gospel of Thomas was discovered, uh, how to kind of crack the code to understanding the sayings of Thomas. Um, you know, check out that or read it for yourself. Um, I have a book coming out on this topic in a couple of months, uh, early next year, hopefully, um, you know, check that out or, you know, but seriously, just, you could read Ephesians or Colossians, the gospel of John, but you know, uh, whatever you do, do not, do not share any more Greg Braden videos with me or anybody else. Um, do not let anybody continue to believe this nonsense about DNA and mysterious number codes that no one knows where the numbers came from and the atomic number and, you know, gematria and all this garbage. Um, it's nonsense. It's not true. And again, it's not very helpful. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, that's, that's basically it. Um, I want to just say thank you for listening to this episode of second cup with Keith. Um, I have a huge announcement to make, um, if you made it this far, um, I have a brand new book available and the name of the book is Second Cup with Keith. That's right. Uh, I have turned this podcast into a book. So uh, roughly the first 32 episodes of this podcast, um, I turned each episode of the podcast into a chapter. Uh, and as you know, each episode of this podcast, I'm answering a particular question, right? And so you can just look back over this, over the titles of the, of the episodes in this podcast so far and see that I answer questions about the Bible, about LGBTQ, uh, about the end times, about the cross. Um, I mean, so many things. You, It's all right there. So if you like the podcast and you wish you could just carry it around in your pocket or put it on your shelf or lend it to a friend who may they, maybe they wouldn't listen to this podcast, but they might read a book where I'm answering um, a lot of these same kind of questions that I'm answering here on this podcast. Um, give them a copy of Second Cup with Keith. It's on Kindle. It's on paperback. Um, it's it's a great resource. In fact, in some ways, I think the, the way I would compare it to, you know, I wrote this seven-part Jesus Un series, right? 
And what I was realizing when I was putting the book together is that many of the uh, chapters, and like many of the episodes of this podcast, um, are sort of miniature summaries of some things that are in all of my books, right? So, you know, I have a, I have a chapter about um, the second coming. Well, I have a whole book about that, right? So uh, the chapter about it just kind of hits some of the highlights of it and will help you answer some of those basic questions. And it's also, you know, whether that's uh, the atonement or the Bible or politics or whatever. Um, and so it's just a way, it's kind of, kind of like a way to have one book that answers all of the different questions that are answered in the seven part Jesus on series. Um, and I think it's a great sort of way, like an entry point into the, into that book series. So um, if you ever wished that you could just hand one book to somebody that would kind of give them an overview of the kind of things I talk about in the Jesus on book series, uh, this would be the place to start, you know, get a copy of the second cup with Keith, let them read it. And that'll hopefully make them curious enough to say, Hey, I want to check out more of this guy's stuff. And I'll, maybe they'll go read uh, a book on a particular topic that is covered in second cup with Keith. So um, anyway, that's available now on Amazon. Go check that out. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Um, I do hope you'll get the book and you'll share the book as well. And um, yeah, uh, I think that's probably going to do it for this episode. Again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time here on Second Cup with Keith. Thanks.